Today, we're continuing our series, Freedom Looks Like. Actually, we're completing our series, Freedom Looks Like. Today is the sixth and potentially final week when we planned this series. We did earmark to be only doing six weeks, but who knows? We might end up doing an extra one next week. I mean, freedom is such a great topic and there are so many aspects of freedom that we haven't covered that we could cover And so this is potentially our last week of the series. Today, I am uh, wanting to talk a little bit about Paul, the Apostle Paul, and just looking at his life and some of the, I guess, the, the major keys of his life and how we can experience and live in the same freedom that he did when he was alive and on this earth. As I was preparing this week, I mean, usually when I prepare a message, there's a lot of content. It's actually quite hard to boil down, you know, like a number of hours studying a passage or a person and boil it down to, you know, a 30 for 25 to 30 minutes. And it's super hard to get everything that I feel like God showed me throughout the week into that time. This week was no different. In fact, even more probably. I found myself on uh, Monday having a sermon and I was like, oh, this is awesome. Like there's some really good stuff in here great, I'm going to share this. And then Wednesday, I looked at it again and I was like, dang it, I've got a second sermon now. Maybe I should be preaching this one. Wasn't really sure which one to pick. And then, you know, I sat down yesterday and I was like, oh man, yesterday morning, I was like, yes, like, great, God, you're really speaking. Here's a third sermon that I could preach. And so I came to last night and I was like, man, God, you've given me three different sermons and they're all going in different directions and they're all super awesome. I'm going to be preaching for three hours tomorrow at this rate. So I I came before the Lord last night. I was like, okay, God, I've got three sermons. Where do you want me to go? What direction? What do you want to say? How do you want to wrap this up? How do you want to wrap up the series Freedom Looks Like? And guess what he did, guys? He gave me a brand new sermon. It was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. He saved the best for last. I'm truly convinced that he saved the best for last. And it is so different and not in the scope of what I was thinking at all for this week. I'm so glad that I really came before him last night and was asking and seeking him because it was one of those moments where God just spoke so, so clearly. And it was one of those things where like my inside, my heart was kind of like skipping a beat a little bit and I was like shaking a little bit. And I was like, whoa, okay, God, like you're you're here. When we find his presence, when we find where he's at, we just need to camp right there. And, And, you know, once we hit our radar, so to speak, into where he's at. We just got to camp in it. And so I camped in it last night and I camped in it this morning and we're going somewhere today. But I I really just believe that God is going to speak very strongly to us this morning. When we look at Paul and when we look at his life, you know, Paul was in prison a couple of times. That's been a theme of our series. We're looking at people that have been prisoners or slaves or in captivity in the Bible and looking at the freedom that they experienced that was greater than their circumstance. And today I'm going to be a little bit naughty and I'm I'm going to twist it a little bit because I can and because I feel like God's asking me to do. And I'm going to suggest something to you today and we're going to camp around this thought, this suggestion. As I was reading and preparing last night, um, I felt like God in a moment spoke to me and he said, "Uh, Nathan, the greatest imprisonment that Paul experienced in his life was not the times when he was physically in prison. The greatest imprisonment that he experienced was not when he was physically locked up in prison or under house arrest. The greatest imprisonment 
that Paul experienced was the imprisonment of his soul to the religious law. Was the imprisonment that he experienced being a a Pharisee, being a a person who uh, lived by the law. I was reading the story of Stephen and how Paul um, was there at the stoning of Stephen. And in this moment, this is when God was speaking to me. He was saying, Nathan, look at who Paul was and look after and encounter who Paul became. His greatest imprisonment wasn't to do with the times that he was physically in prison, but it was to do with the position and the state of his heart, his mind, and his soul before he encountered me. Paul was a ruthless absolutely ruthless man before he encountered Jesus. He was barbaric to an extent before he encountered Jesus. He was the Jew of all Jews. He was the Pharisee of Pharisees. He was a man who, who was incredibly harsh towards believers. His greatest imprisonment, his most severe imprisonment was the imprisonment that his soul experienced. I was looking up the word slave Um, And I was doing a bit of a study on the word slave and the amount of time that it shows up in the New Testament. And I was looking specifically in the book of Romans and I found this, this is crazy. So we all know chapter six in Romans, right? Chapter six is a chapter where Paul unpacks the idea of no longer being a slave to sin, but being, uh, you know, experiencing um, the sonship, the adoption of God and being able to be free from um, slavery towards sin or slavery towards fear. Do you know that the word slave shows up eight times in Romans chapter six? Eight times. That's a lot for a, for a singular word to be showing up in a specific chapter of the Bible, but it, it creates and presents a really strong message that Paul is communicating in Romans chapter six. I'm not going to go through and read all of Romans chapter 6 this morning, but I want to encourage you, if you haven't read Romans 6, read it. It's one of my favorite chapters of the Bible. It's been one of the most influential chapters of the Bible for me. Just read the whole book of Romans, honestly. The book of Romans is incredible. As we look at Paul and as we look at the imprisonment that he experienced, because obviously, you know, we're not in the same position that Paul was during his time. And it's a, it's a practice that we need to do that, that we can, we look at what Paul experienced and we look at who Paul was, the slavery that his soul experienced. And we need to, to take the principles and the experience that he had and, and take it from the biblical time and apply it to our lives now. And so I've been thinking about this question, what is imprisoning you? What is imprisoning me? What am I a slave to? What in this world, what in this life, what in my life, what circumstances maybe, what situations, um, what thoughts, what beliefs, what feelings even, am I a slave to? Am I imprisoned by? We're going to actually just pause for a second and we're just going to stop and think about that. It's no good me just asking you that question and not taking a moment to actually think about that question. Because today I I really believe... I titled this message, I was trying to think of what does freedom look like, you know, because we've been titling it every week, like freedom looks like humility or freedom looks like faith. And I was thinking about it this morning and I was like, well, what am I trying to attribute this to? And I boiled it down to freedom looks like freedom. 
That doesn't really make sense. It's probably not grammatically correct, but freedom looks like freedom. And this morning, I believe that there are a number of us, myself included, that we're poised to experience um, an encounter with God that is going to bring us freedom in our lives today. Freedom looks like freedom. So let's pause for a moment. Let's stop and think, and let's ask the Holy Spirit to actually just speak to us in this moment and and speak conviction, uh, possibly speaking truth into our situations or our circumstances. Think about the question, what is imprisoning you? What are you a slave to? Just think about that for a moment. As I was thinking about this this morning, there may be Little things, it may be a big thing. I'm not sure what the Holy Spirit has been showing you, but this morning I, I was contemplating and thinking like, okay, what, what in my life have I been a slave to? You know, if I'm not careful, what thoughts, uh, what beliefs dictate my life that doesn't lead me towards Jesus, that actually leads me away from Jesus? And, and a thought that I had, and, and this was something that I used to really struggle with, was the desire to be liked and accepted by those around me. That was a belief, that was a thought, that was a fear that used to enslave me. It really did. It used to enslave me. When I, when I was 15, when I moved from uh, Waverley Christian College to Roval College, which is a Christian to a secular school, I really struggled with this as a teenager, really, really badly, because I was super different from everyone when I first moved to Roval. You know, I came from a Christian school. I was this Christian dude. I didn't really understand things of the world, so to speak, or to the level that other kids my age had experienced at Roval. And so I really wrestled with this, this desire to be liked and accepted by people. I was the one who was different. They were the one that were all the same. And that thought really used to enslave me. And if I'm not careful, it's a thought and it's a belief that if I'm not intentionally choosing to believe like, okay, God, like, hey, I, I believe that I'm your son. I, my acceptance and my worth isn't defined by things of the world or by the people around me, but it's defined by you. And if I don't choose to believe that thought and, and you know, it's a prolonged period of time before I can come back to that thought or that truth, then I can start to slip into the whole thing of wanting people to accept me or wanting people to like me. What is imprisoning you? What are we a slave to? What are the, the beliefs that are holding us back? You know, sometimes we get so entrenched, literally so entrenched into our beliefs, into the internal systems that we create. We get so entrenched into our thoughts that it becomes really, really hard, almost impossible for us to see what it could be like on the other side. There's this phrase, and we all know it, the grass is always greener on the other side. It's a phrase that every kid doesn't understand, but then when they become an adult, maybe sometimes they actually still don't understand it, but eventually, you know, they come to understand. As a child, as a teenager, you always want what someone else has. You always want more freedom. You always want less rules. You always want to go to bed. If, you, if your bedtime's at 8 p.m., you're always want, looking for a way to stretch it to 8.15. You're always being like, but mom, my friend, like, my friend... Dan is going to bed at midnight, and, but I'm going to bed at 9 p.m. Like, the grass is always greener on the other side. But sometimes we get so entrenched and we get so tied down to our situation that the grass actually is no longer greener because we can't actually see the other side. We can't actually see the potential of what's out there or we can't see the truth because we're so entrenched in our lies, our unbelief. We're so entrenched in, in whatever's going on that it, it becomes impossible for us to see the grass on the other side. That was the situation that Paul found himself in. 
He was so entrenched, so, 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 so entrenched in the, the, the tradition and, and the rules of, of the Mosaic law that it took an encounter with God on the road and being made blind for a period of time for him to actually experience what the grass on the other side looks like and actually change the grass on the other side. Maybe you find yourself in a situation or maybe there's a belief that you have that no matter how hard you try and shake it, it just doesn't shake. Maybe there's a lie that you believe that is so entrenched and so something that you've believed for the longest period of time that you can't see what the other possibility is. If I can be vulnerable with you for a moment, a lie that I forced myself to believe and a lie that, uh, that started out of this, what I mentioned just before, the desire to be accepted, a lie that I created as a teenager and carry with me for a number of years was a lie that I'm dumb, that I'm stupid, that I'm, I'm, I'm not academic, which is quite untrue. It, it actually is very untrue. In my younger years, I was actually quite smart. I was homeschooled and I excelled really well in homeschooling. I wasn't, like, I wasn't a genius, but I wasn't dumb. Like I was a good student. But when I moved schools and I, I, I got put in a group of people where I was clearly the smartest because I came from a private education and I was moving to a sports school where everyone focused on sport, I, I was the old one out. And so I, I started to, to literally started to dumb myself down to speak words that, that weren't words of life that made me be dumb. I, I, I stopped trying to study. I stopped trying to learn. You know, I gave up. And I created this lie. I literally created this lie in my head. And I believed it that I was incapable of doing academic work or learning, you know? I, I joke about it all the time, but I was proud of the fact that I was dumb and in VCAL. And then the fact that I didn't even complete VCAL. I didn't complete VCAL because I went and chased after God and, 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 you know, went to YWAM. It reinforced the belief that I had that I was stupid. And I took this right into, you know, my time over in America. Literally, I, I believed this lie. I created this lie. I created this atmosphere, this fear of thoughts that said like, hey, Nathan, you're dumb. Like, you're not smart. You can't do this. You can't read. You can't learn. You can't remember what you're, you're doing. You know, it's hopeless. Why do you try? And halfway through first year of over when I was in America, you know, I'm still believing this lie. I'm struggling with my work. I'm not learning um, the Bible the way that I'm meant to be learning the Bible. I'm handing in my assignments at the last minute. You know, nothing's going well. Like uh, I'm not doing well with the academic side of school. And I had this moment, I had this moment with a friend. He was quizzing me and asking me questions because I was saying like, hey, I'm just really struggling with school. And he started pressing me in some areas. And it got to the point where for the first time in six years, I physically said out loud like, oh, I believe that I'm stupid. I believe that I'm incapable. I had become so entrenched in this thought that became a lie, that became a belief, that became an internal working system, that became something that I would confidently say to the people around me, that I'm so incapable of being academic that I lost sight of the fact that I actually, I'm still quite smart, that I'm actually capable, that I can learn, that I can be a student. It took a moment with God where I, I actually, like I had to come before the Lord and repent because I was so wrong in speaking that over myself. 
I was a slave to the thought of stupidity, that I was stupid. And so after that moment, in that moment actually with God, I actually physically felt a cloudiness just being lifted off my head in that moment. As my friend um, and a couple of people were praying for me after I repented for believing the lie, they began praying and just praying for freedom over my mind. And I physically felt something lift off of my head in that moment. And from that moment onwards, I wasn't automatically academic and I had to relearn habits of learning and all that kind of thing. But from that moment on, the lie was no longer entrenched in my system, but I began to believe the value of what God had for me and had for my life. And I experienced freedom in that belief. And now studying in university, four years ago, if you said, Nath, you're going to go to uni and you're going to study a double degree and you're going to be studying theology. And, like I would have laughed at you. I would have called you an, an idiot because I was, I was so convinced that that wasn't who I was. As I said, when, when we go down the trail of entrenching ourselves in things that aren't true about who we are, that aren't true about who God says we are, it gets to the point sometimes when we can't actually see the grass that's greener on the other side. And no matter what stage you are in the journey of belief or unbelief, this is relevant to us. This is applicable to us. Paul was really extreme. He was really far entrenched in the other side. But look what happened Once he encountered God, once he encountered freedom in the Lord, look what happened for Paul. If it can happen for Paul, it can happen for us. I'm not saying that we need to have an encounter on a road in our cars and be blinded by the light of Jesus who's possibly standing on our bonnets and then we go blind for three days and we need to be taken care of. Like, I'm not saying that the exact story of Paul has to be our story, but the freedom that Paul experienced from an encounter with God that changed the trajectory of his life is available for us today. It is available for us today. As I said in, in the book of Romans, It is so clear, it paints such a clear, strong message that we are no longer slaves to sin, that we are called into sonship with the Father, that our old identity is no longer our identity, that we have been saved by grace, that that it is no longer uh, that we have to live under the law, but we live by the, the works of the Spirit, that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God, that there is nothing that can stop us from being connected to Him, from experiencing Him, no, no height, no depth, no no sickness, or whatever it may be. We, like Paul makes it so, so, so clear that freedom in God, that freedom in being a son or a daughter of God is something that's accessible and here for us. I strongly believe this morning that some people are going to get free. I strongly believe this morning, whether you experience it physically, whether you experience it emotionally, whether you don't experience anything at all, that there is going to be a physical difference, that there is going to be a a difference in thought, a difference in feeling, whether it happens instantly in a moment or it's something that you experience on Thursday this week, like, oh, hey, like, I don't believe, uh, oh, I don't believe that anymore. Where did did that disappear? I, I just, I so strongly believe that God is wanting to, to break people free this morning. I love what Pete said, um, yeah, it just says we were entering into worship. Just the, the fact that we, we get a head start. We have a head start. Everyone in this room, in your rooms, I'm guessing has accepted Christ into their heart. Wave with me if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Can I tell you, you've got a, a real dang good head start. You've got more than a head start. You, you've actually finished the race. You've got the race completed inside of you, and now you've just got to actually live it out. 
we've got to, we've got to be free. We've got to live free. Not for the sake of us having a good life. Not for the sake of us having a successful life. But for the sake of our relationship with God, for the sake of us being on this earth to bring him glory, for the sake of those people that are around us that don't have the head start, that don't have the same experience or knowledge that we do. We have to be a people that are free. We have to be a people that carry freedom, that can minister freedom to the hearts of the oppressed. One of the interesting things, and I've been thinking about this week, one of the interesting things that has been a, a repercussion of our lockdown due to COVID, a repercussion of our lockdown due to COVID is that the physical institution of the church has all but vanished. The practices, the principles, the traditions of what it looks like to be a physically gathered body have either vanished or significantly changed due to our restrictions, due to our lockdown. And I think that's a a good thing, actually. I think it's actually a God thing. You know, we've experienced significant change in the way we communicate, in the way we relate, you know, in in the way that we hug and love one another. You know, we, we can't physically do that right now. And, and we, we've talked about this a few times in, in, through different sermons or messages or whatever it may be about the time that we're spending now isn't just a stopgap. The time that we're spending now, we need to be intentional with. We need to be, continue to pursue God. We need to find a new normal, a new COVID normal, you know, rada, rada, rada. There's a whole bunch of stuff that is all about us moving forward. And I think that's a really good thing. Why, why I'm sharing this with you is because sometimes we have internal entrenchments that, you know, keep us locked in, in place. Sometimes there are circumstantial or, or physical things that keep us tied down and locked down the same as the internal things do. And one of the most beautiful things that I, we've begun to see is the way that we now do church differently. Not to say that the, the old way we did church wasn't great, wasn't good. It didn't have, you know, it's not that it didn't have its benefits. It's not bad. But I think we've found ourselves in the midst of a really unfortunate situation that's going to bring an incredible amount of fruit if we're willing to to go with it and say yes. The institution of the physically gathered church has disappeared. But the mobilization of a scattered body that are still unified, that are still connected, but the, the mobilization of us as a body is something that's so much more important now that is so much more the central point of focus because we're not physically gathered as an, inter- as an institution. I think it's actually something that is bringing us freedom. It's bringing us freedom because it's changing our mindset from the mindset of like, oh, you know, I go to my Activate group, I'll go to youth and I'll rock up on a Sunday morning. Maybe I'll go to Tuesday night prayer once a month and we tick all the boxes and, you know, it's good and we do it for the sake of doing it. Maybe we do it because we're really passionate about God, but, you know, we, we, we tick the boxes off and we're, we're a good church member. We're a good Christian. And whether or not you believe or think that thought, regularly or sporadically, we have been given an opportunity to redefine what it means to be the church. And we're, we're working out and we're discovering and we're innovating and we're exploring what that looks like to, to not just be gathered, but what does it look like for us to be scattered 
in all of our areas, in, in where we live, in our neighborhoods, with our friends, with our families? How can we be light in those areas? How can we be truth in those areas? We can't be light. We can't be truth. We can't bring freedom unless we experience that for ourselves. And so this morning, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go after some stuff because I, I really, really, really believe that God is wanting us to experience a new normal. Not a new COVID normal, you know, not a new four steps to freedom, not what the world defines as normal, but what God, what the kingdom defines as normal. What is on hand for us to experience today because we've accepted Christ, because we believe in Jesus. What is our new normal as believers as a gathered body, even though, you know, we're gathered on Zoom, what is our new normal? Paul's new normal was apostleship, was fathering, was teaching, was growing the church, was growing actually the kingdom of God. The very thing that he spent a majority of his former years trying to destroy to the point where he would kill people for it. His new normal became a marking point. Paul was a catalyst for the early church. A lot of the New Testament has been written to or attributed by Paul. One encounter with God changed everything for Paul. What could one encounter with God do for us in all of our circumstances that we find ourselves in? What is our new normal going to be? It could be internal. It can be an extreme moment that we have with God. But what is our new normal going to be? What is it going to be?